I want to read just a couple of verses here from John chapter 18. This is where Jesus is on trial and he's before Pilate. And uh, we read in verse 33 these words. Pilate entered the praetorium again and he called Jesus and he said to him, are you, king, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. I want you to notice these next words of Jesus. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said, what is truth? Now turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4. And today we are picking up our study. We've been out of John for several weeks now. And we are picking it up here in 1 John chapter 4. And we will be looking at verses 1 through 6. Let me read these for us. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We come to this portion of the gospel or the epistle of John. And in this section here, these verses that we're looking at, we are finding John again addressing a topic that he has already addressed. And what we find in the book of John is that there are three kind of key notes that he hits upon. And his purpose is to give assurance to those who belong to Christ. I write these things to you so that you may know that you may have assurance of eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. 
And there are three things that stand out in John's mind that show that someone has been born of God. There is what we might call the test with regard to morality and and morals, that a true believer is one who is seeking to walk in the truth, to live a righteous and holy life, not perfectly, but this will be the direction of their life. Those who profess to know him and know that he is righteous, they are those who are pursuing righteousness. A second test is a social test. We looked at this previously uh, in our study of John, and it is the test of loving the brethren. Those born of God will love those who are born of God. And so there will be this love that is created by God's spirit in their heart to love the people of God, to love his church. And then the third is a doctrinal test, and it is what we believe concerning the gospel and particularly concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And what John does is he, there's a series uh, of three series in which he deals with each of these three times. So this is the second time that he is dealing with the doctrinal issue of what a true believer is. And so we looked at in chapter 2, verses 18 to 23, he addressed it there, the doctrine of Christ, and he will address it here again in these verses that we want to look at today. And what John gives here is a call for discernment, that as believers, we need to be discerning. And so, first of all, we see this call for spiritual discernment that is given by John here in verse 1. And this call for discernment is relative to who Jesus is. That a true believer is one who has a right understanding, or we might say an orthodox view, of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's calling these believers to be discerning. And he calls them uh, to consider what they hear around them concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this call of discernment, first of all, I, I want to note, is a, it's a bold calling. Why do I say that? Well, John is calling for the people of God to be discriminant in their life, to discern between truth and error. John is very clear here that there is a difference between truth and there is error. And we need to be very discerning about this. John, as an apostle, has a worldview in which there is such a thing as things that are true and things that are false. In fact, in John's little epistle here, 26 times he used the word know or we know. There are things as Christians that we know, we are convinced of based upon the scriptures that God has given to us. And we're able to say that. We know that these things are true, various things that are recorded for us in the scripture. And John had a worldview like this. In this world in which we live, there is truth and there is error. In contrast to the world around us, It also has a worldview. It looks at the world in a totally different way, from a different perspective. And 
So we need to be discerning as we live in this world. In this world, we hear things like this, don't we? Well, what may be true for you is not true for me. You ever hear that? We live in a world in which, you know, there, is, there are no norms, there are no morals. Truth is relative, morals are relative, things are changing with time and uh, history. There is no such thing as objective truth, objective reality, things that can be known. Well, Paul or John makes it clear, no, there are things that we do know and that are true. So where does John get this idea? Well, he gets it from Jesus. So we read there from John 18. Jesus there speaks to Pilate, and he says, For this cause I was born. For this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. There is truth to be known, that is sure. And then he says this, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now what an amazing statement that is, that Jesus gives. It's a bold statement. Every, there is such a thing as truth, and I've come into this world for this very purpose, to make this truth known, and... Everyone who is of the truth will hear me. They will listen to me. And so as we think about this call that is given to have spiritual discernment, it is, it's a bold call for us because we are, by God's grace, to be able to say this is true and this is false. And that's something that is not appreciated in our world. There is no such thing as absolute truth. But the Christian faith says, no, there is. There is truth and there is error. Think of the words of Jesus. John says of Jesus that as he came into this world, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And in one of Jesus' exclusive statements says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. What a statement. An exclusive statement made by Jesus Christ. We read in Colossians 2, verse 3, Paul says this, that in Christ there is all wisdom and knowledge. All wisdom is found in Christ. So you can see that as a Christian, as we take a stand for Christian truth, we are aligning ourselves with this one who is incarnate truth. And this is going to be resisted, and it is going to be hated by a world around us. And I think we're well aware of that. And so here is a call that is given to the believer, to Christians, to be discerning, and to stand for truth. John is not concerned about being political, politically correct. So he's calling us as well to be discerning, discriminating. So secondly, we see this as a twofold calling here in verse 1. Beloved, he's writing to them as his own spiritual children, whom he loves. 
And there's this calling that is given, first negatively, don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. He says there, do not believe every spirit. Now, when we talk about spirit here, I believe that John is referring to men who are flesh and blood. He's not talking about some kind of a uh, encounter with uh, some kind of unseen spirit world. He's talking about people, and he talks about false prophets, false teachers. But behind those false teachers, there is a demonic influence. And we are called to test the spirits. They are either going to be of God or they're going to be of the evil one. In Ephesians 5 or 6, 12, John, uh, excuse me, Paul says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, Paul, as he carried on his ministry and mission, he was dealing with flesh and blood people, but he understood there's something behind that. But we, he goes on to say, we're not wrestling ultimately with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so there are spirits, there are those who are influenced by the evil one. And uh, John, Jesus said that concerning the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. What you're saying, what you're teaching, what you're promoting is influenced by the evil one. And so there are those who are false teachers, false prophets that, that John says have gone out into the world. And Paul says this of them in 2 Corinthians 11. In his own day, there were those who presented themselves as apostles, and they were not. They were trying to present themselves as apostles of Christ, and they were opposing Paul. And Paul says this, they are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So often there will be those who are false teachers, false prophets, who will present themselves in a favorable way and even favorable, uh, say good things about Jesus, but they are false teachers because of the message that they communicate. So as we look at the world in which we live, we understand that there is more than just that meets the eye to the philosophies and the thinking of people of this world. There is a demonic force behind all of those things. But conversely, there is the Spirit of God who is at work and has used men to speak the truth of God. We have prophets in the Old Testament that God raised up to speak his holy word. Peter says, holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament era, he raised up apostles and those who would teach and proclaim his word. And so as you live in this world, he says, don't be gullible. Be very careful who you listen to and what they are saying. 
So not everyone who gets on TV and on the radio and uh, Christian books and Christian music, though they may be professing many things, you've got to be very careful and discerning about them. And so don't be gullible. He says you need to not believe every spirit that you hear, every teacher that you hear. So there is a call sometimes for, for guarding ourselves um, and what we hear. Someone said this, it caught my attention, and it, he said this, unbelief can be as much a mark of spiritual maturity as belief. Unbelief can be as much a mark of spiritual maturity as, as belief. In other words, as a Christian, there are things that we say that we believe. We assert these things to be true. And contrary, we also say there are things that we do not believe. And both of those can be a sign of maturity. So negatively, don't believe. Don't be gullible. Don't believe every spirit. The second is the te- to, to, to test the spirits positively. And the word here, to test or to examine is the idea of to approve something that it is true. It was used of determining whether a metal was pure uh, gold or or whatever. There was a test to prove its quality. Or you might think of a diamond. You might take it to a jeweler and said, you know, this was my mother handed me down to this. Is this a true diamond or is is it a fake? And they can examine it and they can let you know. And so this is the idea that is used here by John, that you need to test the spirits. There's a test so that you can see whether it's true or it is false, and we are called to do that. We are to prove, approve of those things that are worth approving, and we must reject those things that are not. So don't be gullible. Don't believe everything that you hear, and rather test the spirits. And we can use what is called the, the Berean test. You remember the words that we find in Acts 17 and verse 11. Paul, speaking of the Bereans, he said, these were more fair-minded, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So when Paul came into the city of Berea, and as he spoke to them, they went to the scriptures to see, okay, does this align with what the word of God says? So test the spirit, and we do this through the word of God. Isaiah 8.20 says, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And this is what we are called to do as brothers and sisters. We are to be doing both of these things. Do not believe every spirit and test the spirits. And this is a plural pronoun that is used here. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for teachers. It's not just for seminary professors. This is for people in the pew. All of us. All of us are called to test the spirit, to 
not receive everything, but to examine it in light of the scripture. So don't be gullible. Always be on your guard and always seeking to determine truth from error of those that we maybe are hearing or reading about. And this is necessary. It's a necessary calling because Paul says there, or John says there in verse 1, many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want you to know this, he says, that there are many false prophets. They've gone out into the world. And these that he's writing to have known this. They've experienced this. You know, as you think about Jesus and his public ministry, there was this... um, proliferation of demonic activity when the Son of God came into our world and his public ministry. We see it all throughout the ministry of Jesus. And so it is as the gospel is going out into the world, there is this opposition, we might say, by the evil one to oppose the gospel, to oppose Christ. And this is the world we live in today as well, isn't it? And so here's this call that is given to us. Be on your guard. There are many false teachers, false prophets. So we move to verse 2. How do we approve? How do we test? And John gives the critical test relative to spiritual discernment here, especially for his readers. It is a test about Jesus. Now, there are many tests that could be given, but this is really probably one of the most important tests. And it's a test about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What do these people say about Jesus? Again, in the context of 1 John, there had been many who had been in the church there that John is writing to, these individuals in Asia Minor. And they had begun to hear people saying things that were different from what John had communicated to them the things that they had heard from the very beginning when the gospel came to them. And now John is saying they're teaching another Jesus, and they've gone out from us to show that they were never really of us. But here's a key thing. Who do these people say Jesus is? Because Christianity falls on a right view of who Jesus is. It stands or it falls on a right view of who Jesus Christ is. Um, And so here is this call that is given. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. All right, who are those who are of the Spirit of God? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. All right, so here's a very important test. What do they say about Jesus, who he is? Is Jesus just a man? Is he just someone that is an example for us that we want to try to imitate him, just a mere man? Or is he more than that? Well, John says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That the Son of God has come into our world, was born of the Virgin Mary, and there was a uniting together of deity and humanity in this one Jesus Christ. That he is undiminished humanity and he is 
undiminished deity. And this is an, uh, an important test that is given. And the Holy Spirit will always bear witness to this. This is how you would know the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God will endorse this, will, will underscore this. And this will be prominent in the teaching of those who are of the Spirit of God. You remember that it was the Holy Spirit that came upon the Virgin Mary. And she was told that you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. And this holy child that will be born to you, he will be the Son of God. That came about by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who will affirm that this indeed is true. That this Jesus of Nazareth is the eternal Son of God who has come in the flesh. Now there were those, again, who were denying this and went out from the church there. And he is affirming to these believers, this is the way that you test and you know if someone is truly of God. One commentator said, the person of Christ is central. No system can be tolerated, however loud its claims or learned its adherence. If it denies that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh, that is, if it denies either his eternal deity or his historical humanity, its teachers are false prophets and its origin is the spirit of the Antichrist. And these really are important. They go together with his work. Who, it is, who is it that we are trusting in for our eternal salvation? Is it a mere man? No. The person of Christ and the work of Christ go together, don't they? Today it's our privilege to remember the work of Christ and what he has done for us. And what we needed is not just some individual, some man to deliver us. We needed someone who had the power, the ability, the authority to do that. And he is none other than the Savior, our Savior and Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is he. He's a man, but he is much more than a man. He is the Son of God who is mighty and able to save. Now, as we think about this test, it is a test that divides. Notice, he goes on in verse 3, and he says, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. All right? He's very clear about this, isn't he? If someone denies this, he is not of God. And so this is the dividing line between truth and error. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming as now already in the world. And so we know that truth divides, doesn't it? And we should expect that it, it will be something that will not be well received by a world around us. Now, just lastly, thirdly, the comfort that is secured by spiritual discernment. I think as John is writing this, he wants to encourage his, his readers because they've seen some people leave their church that were, well, they were influential people. They were knowledgeable people. They seemed to know a lot. But they taught things contrary to what John had taught them. 
what they had heard from the very beginning, and maybe they're a little unsettled, he wants to encourage them. And so, first of all, he says, you are overcomers. Verse 4, you are of God. I want you to know this. You did not go with them. You did not leave and follow their teaching. You have remained with the people of God in your church. And he uses the word here in the emphatic uh, form here. You are of God. When he gets down to verse 5, he says, they, these false teachers, they are of the world. You are of God, little children. He loves them. He wants to assure their hearts. You are of God. And you have overcome. uh, and, And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You may not be as educated as some of those people, and you may not be able to speak so fluently as some of those false teachers did. But know this, that as as you remain faithful to Christ, clung to Christ, you are of God, and you are an overcomer. It's not because of who you are, but it's because of who is in you. You have the Spirit of God living within you, and therefore, you are an overcomer. And greater is the one that is in you than all of those false teachers and all the knowledge that they seem to have. Greater is the one who is in you, who will keep you and hold you firm to the end. He who began the good work in us, he will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, we see, he says, you have a divinely tuned ear, verse 6. We are of God. Again, it's emphatic. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. And I think John is speaking for himself here and the apostles. We are of God in contrast to these false teachers and those that are of the world, verse 5. We are of God and he who knows God... And um, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. That's an amazing statement. John says those who are of God, who are of the spirit of God, born of God, they will listen to us. They will hear us. They will not hear these other voices that are out there. And think of those words of Jesus. He said to Pilate that he has come to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to me. He'll listen to me. He will hear me. Now, John is saying basically the same thing. He who is of the truth, they're going to listen to me, to the apostles. The apostles were the commissioned representatives of Christ. They were to go and to speak the word of God, the word of Christ. They had the authority of Christ. They were commissioned by Christ. They were gifted by Christ. And so as they went and preached the gospel, they were speaking the word of God. And Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, I thank God that when you received our word, you received it not as the word of men, but what it truly is, the word of God. It's an amazing thing. And you know, if you're a Christian today, God has given you an ear 
to hear what left to yourself you would not hear. He has given you a new heart and you have received the word of God as it has come to us in his word through his apostles, this gospel. And so he encourages his believers, these believers, that God has done this for you. You are of God. You're not of the world. You, you have an ear that is tuned to the gospel. And Jesus said that in John 10, that my sheep, they will hear my voice and they will follow me. They will not listen to the voice of a stranger. They will not heed his voice, but they will hear my voice. F.F. Bruce said, they have a built-in spiritual instinct enabling them to hold fast to truth and to reject error. Brothers and sisters, if we be in Christ, this is what he has done for us. And thanks be to God that we will not hear and listen to another false teacher, another false shepherd. We will listen to Christ and hear his voice. And that is the grace of God to us. And so here's this test. What do you say of Christ? And I would ask you today as you sit here, do you confess this Jesus of the scripture, the one who is the son of God who came into this world, became a man, laid down his life to save sinners? There's no other name given under heaven whereby you can be saved. If you're not a follower of Christ, we invite you, we exhort you to flee to Jesus Christ and put your trust in him and in him alone. It is our privilege today to come to the